episode of the Pillar of Success. Yeah. And I'm so pleased to have with me today two wonderful women called Lana Bastianuti and Linda Ford. And they both live in the Boston area and are two of my dear colleagues. They have written a book and it's called Women and Confidence, The Truth About the Lies We Tell Ourselves. And I'm excited to hear both about the lies that's, I guess, the most exciting part, but also about the truth. And the truth will set you free, isn't it, Axo? Well, we'll see today. You'll end up as a free person, mind-free person. Um, in their press release, they point out that the self-help industry is today a $10 billion industry. And it's estimated to reach 13.25 billion by the year 2022. And actually, I didn't know that, but millennials are big spenders in this area. 94% of them are committed in some way to self-improvement. And they have much higher expectations for themselves compared to previous generations. So I guess, girls, we have something to learn there from the youngsters. And I also want to point out that all the men listening, it's the same universal principles that behind confidence we will share that goes for women and for men. So you're super cool to listen to this podcast as well. And I'm sure you will also recognize some patterns that you have been stuck in. Lana and Linda questioned themselves about why are women still suffering from a lack of confidence? Why are they still playing small? What if all of us, including the self-help industry, have been looking in the wrong direction? Hello. Hi. 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 Hi, there you are. Hi, Hi, nice to meet you. And I'm so pleased to have you here. I'm just really thrilled. And it's the first time I have two people on the podcast together. So that will be even better, I think. Um, you just released a book, and how do you feel? Tired. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having us. To begin yes, thank with. you. I'm really thrilled to be here, and even more so now that we know we're the first double team on your podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, Linda, how do we feel? <laughs> Well, I just said I was felt tired, but I'm just being facetious here. But you go ahead. How do you feel, Lana, about being an author? How do I feel about it? Just feels like okay, yeah, that was the next natural thing to do. It, it, it. I don't know. It didn't. It doesn't. It just feels like um the next step. That yeah, we want to help women. What was something that was really irking us that we really struggled with for most of our lives? And when we saw it in a new way, we said collectively, we said, we've got to get this out to other women. They need to know this stuff. Hmm. And so it just was a natural progression. So, you know, it's funny. I don't feel like, oh, yeah, huzzah. I wrote a book. It's more like, yeah, it's out there. Hopefully it helps people. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been one of those people who thought, well, oh, there's a book in me, you know, and I've been saying that for years. <laughs> what is this book that wants to come out? And I never really identified it until I met Lana, 
when we first, because we come from a background of coaching. We've been coaching for 10 years, each of us. And so when we met and we started sharing our experiences, and it was really clear that the one thing that kept coming up, because we thought, well, maybe we need to write a book, you know, um, what is it that, what is the subject that we have both experienced with our clients and also with ourselves? Mm-hmm. And, and that was this whole issue of, of insecurity and wow. the fact that there's so many brilliant women out there doing their thing, right? They're working hard. They're really committed, mm-hmm. but they're going through life as if they've got the handbrake on. Mm-hmm. And you know how that is. You're, you're driving along in your car. You've got the handbrake on and it's really I difficult. did that actually a couple of times. Doesn't feel <laughs> I've done it a lot. <laughs> and so, but once you let the brake off, you're immediately propelled forward and your ride becomes so much easier. And for us, at least for me, I always felt like I was going through life with that handbrake on, especially as it pertained to my career. You know, I was out there, like a lot of women, doing my thing. I, I had a couple of degrees. I was qualified. I was capable, smart. And yet I didn't, I kept holding myself back. And I kept second-guessing myself. Hmm. And so we, we could see that, yeah, this is universal, this problem with women. This is, this is something that a lot of women, not just a few, a lot of women are, are going through. And we thought, wow, what a, what a shame. You know, this is a tragedy. <laughs> so we wanted to hit that subject right in the middle and, and, and run with it, you know? Yeah, I, I must really say, reading your book, I was, I was like, check, 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 check. <laughs> <laughs> like all the lies we tell ourselves. And for, for our listeners, I just... I just would love to read like the lie number one. I can't be confident if I don't think I look good. Check. <laughs> lie number two. I need to please other people to feel confident. Check a lot in my life. Lie three. I can only feel confident in certain situations. Okay. Lie four. I lose my confidence when I compare myself with others. I mean, who does compare yourself with others? Lie five. I don't have the confidence to live without a partner. Mm-hmm. Big one. Lie six. I can't be confident because I don't feel like I'm good enough. Lie seven, I don't have the confidence to screw up in public. And before this podcast today, I had these thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. even in my dreams sometimes dream that I screw up yeah. in public. Lie eight, my confidence takes a nose die when I'm criticized. Lie number nine, you're either born confident or you're not. So that's the lies that you uncover in your book. And I, I must really thank you as a reader that you, you go so personal into your stories. And, and I must say, reading the stories you share from your personal lives, I want to read more about the stories. But then you sort of magically change the stories to insights. I'm like... Oh, where's the story? I think it's a kind of human thing to want to dig deep into our stories. Do you get me? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, it's primal, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we started off sitting around campfires telling stories or, or even uh, writing, drawing our stories on the, on the cave walls, you know? So this is something that is primal. It's powerful. 
And people remember stories more than concepts, which is why we wanted to, I mean, we could have written a book about, you know, if you've got this problem, here's what to do. But we wanted to really have people identify and really read and say, oh, yes, that's what I go through. That's, I know that feeling. I know that experience, that circumstance. So it's a way of identifying, you know, with your reader. And also, uh, when you tell your own personal story, you, you just have credibility. It's like, yeah, I understand you. I know where you're coming from. And so we, we, we started off, Lana, didn't we, writing more kind of journalistically. And, and I'm, I tend to come from this story background because I've taught literature in the right. university. And so it's just, you know, it's always been part of me. And I said to Lana, I remember having this conversation with Lana and I said, your writing is brilliant, but I want, you're missing from it. You know, I yeah, want to yeah. know how this problem has impacted you. Mm-hmm. So that's when we kind of turned it into this narrative, personal narrative. Yeah. I think my listeners are really, really curious to have some help today. Oh, um, listen, if we can, know, if we can some, have insights on this, I, uh, if we have been able to have insights, there is big hope. Exactly. So, yeah, I would love to hear a bit from the stories because I think, like you say, the narrative, it's, it's where we can, we recognize ourselves. Yeah. So, in a way, we can just pick a lie. Like, I can't think, be confident if I don't think I look good. that's such a big one for women isn't it um I can't tell you how many times it stopped me when I was in sort of the corporate world um in terms of if I had to do a presentation or something or a training and I didn't think oh gosh you know I today I just don't feel like I look good, so I wanted to hide out or I wouldn't volunteer for stuff. It just, it completely stopped me from showing up and doing what I was so capable of doing. Or even within the workplace, feeling like you're being judged for your appearance or noticing how some some women were dismissed because they were too good looking, you know, quote unquote. You know, so they must not have as much of value or substance to them because they look too good or they're dressed too femininely or, you know, their nails or whatever. We get this construct often. um, And Linda and I talked about this as well. It's like sometimes women get painted as either the saint or the sinner. It's a very black and white way of seeing women. Um, You're either of substance or you're not. You're one or the other, and we don't know what to do with the gray. And and what we're trying to show women is, you know, yeah, we have this culture, we have this conditioning that talks about how we're supposed to look and how we're supposed to present ourselves. But when you get caught up into that, that's a lie, and that's misleading, and that's short-sighted in terms of how you can show up and what's already innately in you to contribute to work aside from all this all this other stuff this habitual way of thinking or conditioning that we're we're supposed to look good that gets in the way of showing up and doing your job and doing what you you know tapping into that creativity that is in you and ready to come out it's so limiting isn't it linda do you want to add 
Uh, yeah, I mean, this was a big one for me, uh, especially as I was a coach and I my work kind of demanded that I be public, you know, make the videos, get yourself on Facebook, whatever. And so, you know, for me, it was like, and, and I don't mean to sound, because I, I write about this in the chapter, is that I, I've always kind of thought myself to be attractive. You know, I, I mean, I just have. I'm just going to put it out there, you know, like in my younger years. And then when I started noticing, you know, when I looked in the mirror and I could see something different than I was used to as I started aging, um, it, that wasn't good enough for me. It was like, no, that's not me. You know, when I saw myself on video later on, I thought, that's not the real me. Where is that young woman gone to, you know? And so for me, it was like trying to reconcile that. It's like, so what am I going to do? If I don't like what I see in the mirror, does that mean I just back off and go into hiding for the rest of my life? Or do I, you know, and suffer the consequences of that? Or, or do I just kind of accept that's who I am now, you know? I'm not the young thing that I used to be. And so I've had to really make peace with that. And it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you kind of begin to, as cliche as it sounds, you just begin to see yourself on this whole other level. It's like, this is, yeah, this is the thing that I look at in the mirror every day is me, but it's changing. But there's something else that isn't changing, you know? So um, it's been an interesting journey to see that happen, to see those changes and how they've impacted me. And, and what it means is that mean I'm just going to give up and not do anything in life because I don't like the way I look, you know? So, uh, so what, what advice would you give to women if, if they have, they wake up in the morning or having a little bit of a bad day and going to work and maybe don't feel like fantastic in their own skin, but still have to do the work, have to meet people, have to go to meetings, have to meet customers and all of that and internally have yeah. a bad feeling. What, well, what again, you it's like, you, you know, you've got two choices. You can say, okay, um, I don't like the way I look. I, and I don't want to show up. Um, so I'll just kind of try and orchestrate my life to, so that I can back off and, and just, you know, stay behind the scenes. And, or I can just accept what's going on, remember who I really am, right? When you have this understanding, you can kind of remind yourself of how the mind works and how that's just thinking. And so thinking. it doesn't mean you don't feel, it doesn't mean you, that insecurity doesn't make yeah. you feel bad, but you can remind yourself of the consequences of those two you can either go down that rabbit hole of doing nothing and hiding out for the rest of your life or you can just accept this is who I am and 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 that those feelings of insecurity can move along if you just let them they'll they'll come and go you know like anything yeah and I think the other important thing to really reconcile with is that a feeling is just a feeling. It's not pointing to a truth about yourself, but an underlying truth, you're no good, or you shouldn't show up and do anything, or because you don't look, feel good, you're incapable of doing anything. And we see even in the world of sports, how you know women who are playing basketball or volleyball, they may not 
feel good about how they're, but they still know how to do their job. They still get out there on the court and they can still do it. And I think sometimes we get caught up in our feelings and think that that's who we are. And that's where we're, we're looking at those bars saying, look, I'm imprisoned. Meanwhile, it's like, no, that's just an illusion. Those are just feelings. That's just being brought to life in you. And that's okay. That's just what you're experiencing right now. But it doesn't have to define you. As Linda says, you have to remember who you really are. And you're not your feelings and you're not your thoughts. That's just an illusion. You're, you're bigger than that. So how, how can we get to that place to know who we are? I think that's one of the biggest questions people, yeah. humans can ask themselves and to get who am I? That's a big, that's a big one. Yeah, well, this is this is the tr this is the tricky thing because this is where we start talking about identity and a exactly. self. Yeah. You know, and, and we live in anybody actually. You don't have to be a woman. Anybody. We start putting labels on ourselves of who we are. I'm shy. I'm insecure. I'm eh looking. I'm <laughs> you know like whatever. I'm fat. Yeah. I'm thin. I'm whatever. Yeah, exactly. We we put these labels on ourselves and all that is is just conditioning it's something we heard or believed from somebody else but what I what I tend to do is is remember oh well if I was on the island of uh you know where where um oh gosh where cellulite for example was like revered where they were like wow if you have a little bit of cellulite you are going to be the queen well, hello, you know, what's the difference? What's the difference? The only difference is our thinking about it in the moment. That's it. So these identities that we create about who we are, we tend to put them in cement and think that's who we are. And it's not, you know, if you only have to look at kids to see how fluid they are. How at Halloween, they dress up as anything they want because they can be anything they want because they can pretend. And we can too. We're not restricted. We've got all those amazing qualities within us that we don't have to do anything to have. And those qualities, as Lynn and I talk about, are one of which is confidence. That's innate. That's in us. It's built into us. Yet we've got all this thinking outside that, puts a puts a, a you know guard around it and says well no no that's not you this is your identity hmm. so it's about realizing that's all made up that's all made up if so I, I think one of the um if i could just add to what lana's saying um you know we're always kind of uh, like your question aya is about well so what do we do you know we find ourselves in these predicaments what do we do and it's it's always you know, um, understandably geared to, well, how can you help me? What, what should I do? And for me, coming into this new understanding of, of how we create our experience, when I have those momentary feelings of insecurity, and they do come, mm -hmm. um, they're part of, you know, my experience, and they come and they go. If there's anything to do... Um, it's really, for me, it's just about reminding myself. That's, if, if you can call that doing, mm, yeah. it's, it's just to remind myself 
So that, what do you say to yourself then? Yeah. You so what I say to myself is, oh, there's that mind chatter again. You know, there's just that, because that's my lower brain just kicking in and telling me what I've always been told. And so it's doing its job, right? It's doing the job that it was trained, that I trained it to do. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of remind myself, oh, yeah, that's how the equipment works, right? That's just that doing its thing. And it's also very, um, you know, it's transitory. It likes to flow through us, as Lana says. It's just feeling throwing, flowing through us, and it will move on of its own accord if I don't go down the rabbit hole with it. So if I go down that rabbit hole with that thinking, then I'm lost, right? For a moment, for a while, for longer than I want to be. So it's it's about not getting caught in that. I used to go down that rabbit hole all the time and I'd get stuck there for months, for years, for decades. And you now it's, it's like, oh, there's that stuff again, you know? And it's not real. It's not true. And so if there's anything to do, it's just like, Oh yeah, remember how it all works. Yeah, then we don't have to be a member of the rabbit hole club anymore. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I knew this from from when I was I was seven, I my life would be really different. Oh hey, but then maybe I, I wouldn't I sit here to. with you guys. Yeah, why didn't somebody tell us this when we were younger? Right, I could have yeah. saved myself a lot of misery, a lot yeah. of money. I mean, I don't know how much money I spent on uh, therapy and books yeah, yeah. and courses and even I know. I'm, I'm with I mean, you. yeah I know all of, all of us and we're all trying to get something that's already there yeah you know if but we, we you know, it's, 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 it's okay it's all part of our evolution and you see the world the big world where we're like we're, we're learning on this huge learning curve right now you know and so it's all kind of leading us it led me to this you know exactly. all that self-help led me to where I am yeah. today so it's all good yeah, it's all good uh, I'm also fantastically thankful <laughs> to my yes. journey yes of course yeah to all my stories <laughs> well you know let me just say something like I was born into a very poor family okay so I when people ask me how long I've been involved in self-help I always say from the minute I came out of the womb because my greatest teachers And my greatest inspiration to to make sure to evolve my own life were my parents because they showed me how not to do life very clearly. (laughs) They were very good people, very loving, but they could never get their lives together. They, They had trouble thriving. They had trouble finding work. They had trouble with everything. And so... I kind of hit the ground running when I witnessed how they were living and it, and it kind of set in me this desire to figure out how to really do life, which led me on the self-help trail, you know? So I, I kind of, you could say, well, you know, being born into poverty was a mishap and, you know, unlucky but it actually wasn't when I look at it that way, because mm. from the minute I started thinking and evolving, I just knew I didn't want their life and I knew I wanted something better. So that's, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. And I just wanted to feel comfortable in my own skin. <laughs> like I just wanted to finally just relax and show up. 
me, whatever that meant. But it's sort of like the me isn't really there. It's just showing up with all those qualities. And we've all seen those women that are in the workplace that do seem to show up like unapologetically and just boom, boom, boom. Nothing, everything rolls off their back. And you're like, what the heck? How is she so resilient? Like, what does she have that I don't have? Or how was she born that way? And I wasn't. And, and the missing link is she d- probably doesn't take her thinking. If she has any insecure thinking, she doesn't take it as seriously. And she certainly doesn't take it as personally. Like it's just going through her. Hmm. Whereas for whatever reason, we kind of took that stuff so seriously and personally. And then it, it colored everything we did and how we showed up. Hmm. And that's not freedom. No. Another thing I'm curious to know your reflections about is the need for approval or the need for compliments or positive feedback. I can see that a lot. And don't misunderstand me. I mean, I think it's a healthy thing to be positive in the workplace, that people are happy and and thriving in, in a good way. But I can also see people suffering because of their lack of feeling approved. Right. And maybe especially women, uh, it, more women than men. I don't. I think also men can feel that. But I think it's, it's more of a female issue that we need this uh, mirror of, yeah, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Go for it, Lana. That's your, that's your chapter. <laughs> I think you're doing a wonderful job in this interview to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Give a little feedback. Well, I mean, appreciation and feedback is always helpful, isn't it? I mean, that's mm. how we learn most of the time. Even when we're walking, we're always deriving from our environment feedback. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, so now I need to shift my balance. So it makes sense that we look for some kind of feedback to, to gauge how we're doing in life. Yeah, it's but, social. We're social beings. Yeah, we're social, right? But where it gets us into trouble is when we think something outside of us can determine our sense of worth, yeah. our value. That's when it starts to play with head and with how we're showing up. Because if I'm dependent on everything out there to tell me, oh, you're doing a good job, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at the mercy. My power is now out there. It's not within me versus, yeah, I can sort of gauge and get feedback and even take criticism, but not personally. Um, (laughs) I can take that all in, but my value doesn't reside out there. My sense of worth has nothing to do with out there because if it did, It could change on a dime. It could change on whoever is in front of me. Because hmm. this person's like, yeah, you're great. The next person's like, yeah, you're okay. Next person's like, you're terrible. Like, I'm all over the place. Hmm. How do I have any grounding then? It doesn't reside out there. And we often mistake that. We think it's out there and it's not. Yeah, I think we very often mistake that. And And again, to make it really practical <laughs> for our dear listeners, when we feel like unappreciated or mm. we are hurt by criticism uh, or we don't feel valued enough for 
the long hours we put into things and what like are some small steps we could do for ourselves not to lose ourselves completely in this mess one of the one of the things you can do is simply ask for feedback but but not in terms of don't don't mistake it for your value mm. If, if you're in a relationship, for example, so you say, hey, you know, hon, <laughs> wherever they are, you know, hey, hon, you know, you know what I'd really love? I'd love to, you know, have you know, or I'm trying to think, I'm trying not to make it too personal here. <laughs> <laughs> well, personal is okay. fine with that. That's okay. <laughs> that, that's actually, we love the stories, you know. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so for example, with my husband, yeah. I could say to him, you know, men typically, it's like, get to the point. Like, don't don't dance around things. And we women, we tend to dance around and go to the side and try to get what we want in an indirect way. But with men, it's often easier and better to, to speak directly. So it's like, hey, hon, I really, really love it when you let me know, um, you know, when you let me know that you love spending time with me, that you, you know, that it's a lot of fun to spend time with me because I know I love spending time with you. It just, I feel so happy. I feel so, you know, invigorated. I feel like we're really connected. Like you can directly ask for that feedback. And if it's in the corporate world, the same goes with your manager, boss, whoever, or even a peer. It's like, hey, I just want to get some feedback on, you know, how are you finding how I'm presenting this work or how I've, how, how this report is. Like, you just need to ask for it. We're so afraid to ask for it. And we're also afraid to then hear the results, you know? I, I mean, I think there was, I can't remember if this is in the book still, but there was a, a show that I listened to one time and they were talking about women and men and, and submitting their work to a radio show or something. And what happened was when the men got the feedback of, hey, this needs some work. Why don't you do some work and get back to us? The men inevitably, they got back to them right away. The women, the when they got that same feedback, never heard from them again. Because we take it so personally and as a, a, a judgment on our worth instead of, oh, that's just feedback. So we want the feedback. Okay, let me work on that. So, you know, in a way we come, we come by it so innocently because we're kind of conditioned to, to learn this stuff very, very young. Um, Self-criticism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll just, I'll just add one thing to that. Um, you know, I've been blogging for about 10 years now. And a lot of the times when I would write a blog, I would feel as if I'd done something, you know, written something of value and put it out into the world and, you know, crickets, not a sound, nothing, you know, nobody would come back and say, Oh, that was brilliant, Linda, you know? And so it, that used to really pierce my heart. I mean, I would get so up in my head about it. Nobody appreciates me. I really felt very sorry for myself. You know, it used to really get to me. Mm-hmm. And now with this new understanding that I have, when that happens, and it still happens, um, the feeling doesn't last half as long because, again, I get back to this whole thing of reminding myself that 
you know, I know of so many amazing people in the world who are out there doing their art, doing their work, uh, writing brilliant stuff, and nobody knows about them. And yeah, so yeah. this is not personal, you know. This is not some little Linda's being pointed at. She's the one that's being, you know, offended here. It's happening everywhere. So I just kind of, it, it kind of helps you gain uh, perspective when you can see my friend is brilliant too and she doesn't have thousands of followers or she's nobody's noticing her mm -hmm. and so it kind of gives you some perspective on that and yes it's nice to be recognized but what are you mm -hmm. going to do if you're not like I bet when you were writing that blog that you had a lot of joy just in yeah. writing that you was know? the other thing I was going to mention is keep yourself attuned to the fact what are you doing it for? Are you getting pleasure out of it? Is it, is it helping you? Hmm. So that's another, thank you for that, Lana, because that's another important component of all of this. We're not just doing this to get famous. Hmm. And if you are, then you might want to rethink that. You know, We're doing it because we're having insights and we want to share them. Hmm. And even if one person you know, hears it or sees it or experiences your art or whatever, then who is to say that's not important? Recognizing that experience that you, that feeling of joy you had just in the creation, you know, that quality that comes out of you, that creativity and, yeah. and loving that moment. And then the minute it's out there, it, we suddenly change the rules of the game. Suddenly, well, wait a minute. I'm not gonna, I'm, I no longer, that joy I experienced no longer counts. Uh, dismiss that because the rule is now that somebody has to get back to me and let me know how great it was and how it yeah. no 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 stop <laughs> you're making all that up you just changed your own rules so <laughs> bad rules yeah yes. we're funny little creatures <laughs> <laughs> suffering rules yeah I can see that with myself because sometimes when you write a text or write an email or some kind of cum communicative thing, uh, for me right now, I really, if I write something to someone, I, it's done. I just put it out there and almost like forget about it, if, like in a good way. And then if people don't, I don't expect people to answer immediately, really, in this busy world. Sometimes yeah. I hope people won't answer before the day after, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really. Uh, and then sometimes people come back, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't answer your phone, or I'm so sorry I didn't answer your SMS right away. I, I must just, what SMS? <laughs> what <laughs> are you talking about? And it's, for me, it's such a much better place to be in instead of having all this thinking about all yeah. the answers and all, oh, what is this person doing, all this superstitious, oh, maybe he or she is not liking me anymore, or maybe there's some kind of conspiracy against me. You know, it can go all the way in our minds. We have such great fantasy. Yeah, so you yeah. drive yourself insane. Yeah, so Just to put it out in the world, and then it comes back when it comes back. And if it's really, really important, I just send another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So exactly. Exactly. We can exhaust ourselves. Just it's so it. much easier for me to live that way. Yeah, absolutely. Work. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to add one thing to this, uh, this conversation about approval, because I've, 
I worked for many years also as a coach in uh, also as a violinist, as you might know. I'm yes. a violinist for 25 years, and and then also you know you start coaching people where you are. So I've I've coached a lot of people from the entertainment world and from the theater world, the musical music world, and what I very often see is that. One, one actor, for instance, can go home and be really, really depressed because this one person in the audience was looking down or yeah. didn't smile or didn't clap or didn't show the approval. And it's such a painful, painful place to be in. And it's very innocent because we're conditioned to, to think that, you know, everyone should like us. Otherwise, yeah. we're a flop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really painful to be there because it takes a lot of energy from us. To, oh, it's, it, it does. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we, we set up these impossible demands on ourselves, you know, like everybody can like you except that one person, really, that's the one that stands out. I mean, yeah, and we don't even know if this person yes. likes us or not because yes. maybe they're so touched that they can't get a word or can't get move at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we yeah. Know what's going on in their minds? We have no making it up. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's one more point that um, I'd like to address in terms of the whole getting people to like us. Uh, it, Lana actually wrote a really brilliant chapter on it in the book called People Pleasing, right? You need to people please others in, in order to feel confident. And we, we really feel that women in the workplace, um, this is a very touchy subject, but one That's of the good. Reasons, we like that. We like yeah, that. One of the reasons, this is quite provocative. One of the reasons why a lot of women are into this people pleasing or being the good girl, we have like, you know, the good girl, is because there's something about that dynamic between men and women is women don't want to be seen as aggressive, um, unfeminine, you know, uh, and and any any kind of uh, behavior mm -hmm. that is um, you know confrontational or or even just suggestive of a different opinion. A lot of women. I'm not saying all women, but I think uh -huh. a lot of women are kind of uh, worried that men are going to perceive them as unfeminine or you know too aggressive. And I think a lot of women are struggling with this. Hmm. Um, when you say, Lana, that this is a big issue in the workplace? Yeah, it's, you know, it is, it touches on the people pleasing, like trying to gauge, you know, as women, as young girls, we're, we're kind of taught and conditioned to take the temperature of the room, figure out like how, how's everybody doing? We feel that we can feel how everybody's doing and, try to meet everybody's needs. We're kind of trained to do this. And we see our mothers do it. And then all the, you know, all the women in the family doing it, gauging how everybody's doing it, and then fussing around and getting every, taking care of everybody, right? And, and we kind of, we can sometimes bring that into the workplace where we're gauging, okay, what would make this person happy? What do, does this person need? And we kind of make ourselves, form ourselves into the person that would please the other person instead of just showing up and letting our own brilliance shine 
not worried about how everybody else is going to think of us. And, and often this dovetails into the whole imposter syndrome where we we're showing up um, as somebody we don't think we really are because we aren't, we're not comfortable there or we think, you know, oh God, if I'm found out, then I'll be humiliated because uh, I don't really know. And all that is, is a lot of thinking, just a lot, a lot of thinking that then takes away from who we really are naturally. All those, those things we keep talking about, confidence, creativity, hmm. resiliency, like all those things don't have as much room to come out when we're so bogged down in our head about okay, how do I need to be for this person and that person? And what do they expect me to say here? I better say that. And we're, we're making it all up. And yeah. it's so tiring. It's, it's super tiring. And, and there, are many, there are many aspects to this, how we should be or how we should please others or not. Because I can also see sometimes when, when we women get overstressed, we can actually also become really harsh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's a really turn off, like yeah. oh, yeah. sexual turn off. But the turn off in yeah. the business world, it's yeah. inhibits us from living up to our potential. When it's yeah. it's a super busy mind and things are a lot of pressure. I can see female leaders sometimes can can get into that rabbit hole of being too masculine to say like that yeah, <laughs> yeah the pendulum swings the other way and there's this notion yeah. that we you and know, that's we also painful masculine. i think for everyone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah that's also like in the misunderstanding of <laughs> yeah, yeah both, both of them both of them that what's in common is you know a bunch of thinking yeah. about how you think you need to show up in order exactly to yeah you know, and one person says, okay, I need to be, if I want to be safe, I need to make sure everybody's happy. Yeah. And the other person says, if I, I, in order for me to be safe, I need to be the aggressor. Mm -hmm. I need to be harsh. I need to keep everybody at a distance. Don't even try to approach me. And it's like, neither, the thing they have in common is all thought. And it's insecurity, all thought. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Insecurity both sides. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Linda and Lana, how, how would we navigate us back from this pain, actually? It's pain, both ways yeah. are some kind of pain. Well, you know, I, yeah, I was just about to say that, um, can you imagine a world where we, men and women, had this understanding of how we are creating our experience? I mean, how amazing that would be, how much more compassion we'd have for each other, um, how we wouldn't pigeonhole each other into these stereotypical roles. You know, you're a woman, you're meant to be feminine and graceful and you're not supposed to be outspoken or you're a man, you're supposed to be, you know, aggressive or whatever. Can you imagine if all of that collapsed and we just had this understanding that these bodies that we have, this conditioning we have, these are just vehicles that we're going through life in, right? And it's just our particular preference in this lifetime. You know, we're, I'm a woman now and maybe I'll be a man in my next life. Who knows? I don't know if that's true. But, but you know, just to see it, that these are just kind of vehicles that we're, we're cruising through life, having fun, creating stuff. And if all of that just kind of dropped, you know, all those misconceptions about who we really, who we are, and then if we could tap into who we really are, 
the level of our performance, our creativity would just go through the roof. I mean, there would be just so much less to worry about, to grieve about, to, you know, be concerned about. I mean, right, wouldn't it be amazing? Mm-hmm. And I think this understanding um, really allows for all of that compassion for each other to to really come out and compassion, understanding, cohesiveness, um, you know, being able to work together better. But we're so caught up in these designations. That's super interesting. So, so Linda, would you, for, for many listeners don't really know what this understanding is. It's like, okay, they're using this word a lot. What are they talking? I want this. <laughs> so we've, we've been talking a lot about it's a misunderstanding in our thinking. And it's all a lot of thinking. The insecure yeah. thinking, the less confident thinking, the... the well, thinking. I, I would start by saying we have been raised in our life to believe that whatever we're experiencing in life is, the co- is caused by something outside of us, which is what we call the outside-in experience. So depending on my circumstances, depending on who I'm with, who I'm talking to, it's all the outside stuff that's affecting me, that's causing me to have my experience. Like and the stress, saying, the results, the goals, the yeah. budget, the time yeah. limits. All of that. It's pressure. the bad boss. It's the, the bad boss. boss. <laughs> you know, whatever, right? And, and, and if it wasn't for that boss, all of the work, if it wasn't for that boss or those horrible co-workers, I would be thriving. I would do my job well. I would, you know, so it's all, that's what we mean by the outside-in understanding. Or kids. <laughs> or kids. Or our look, <laughs> you know, our appearance. So yeah. that's the fundamental thing that we're pointing to when we say this understanding. Okay. And, and it's something that we've grown up with. We're not used to seeing the, our world this way. You know, I mean, you think about it from the very young ages when we were a kid, you know, we had a security blanket. We had a teddy bear, something outside of us that we would hug and cuddle into because we thought it could actually make us feel a certain way, right? It would give us comfort. If I didn't have my teddy bear when I was a kid, I was going to freak out. And it's just a trick of the mind. You know, that's that's how powerful it is. So when you think about how we've been raised Mm -hmm. to believe this, it's kind of akin to, you know, when they used to believe the world was flat, you know, and then some people didn't believe it. Galileo came along or Copernicus, whoever it was, (laughs) and said, oh, oh, no, it doesn't work that way. It's, you know, um, and so it required a real paradigm shift in our understanding, but we did get there. Mm. And so this is the new paradigm shift that's going to change everything. When so we can, just that one thing, understanding the inside out as opposed to outside in. That our experience is created from the inside, not from the outside. Something outside of us can't make us feel anything. It first comes through us and we have an experience, a feeling and if you, when you ask, you know, how can we sort of, how can we become more in tune to when we're being, you know, this aggressive, ultra hyper person versus this people pleasing, the gift of feelings, of our feelings are our biggest clue. 
because when we have that tension and that restlessness within us, that, you know, that punch gut, everybody feels it a little bit differently, but you know, you're not settled. You know, you don't feel like peaceful. When you have that, you know, your, your mind is, is busy. It's caught up and it's believing a story. When, when you're just yourself, your true self with those qualities coming through where you can be most effective and the, the bandwidth that you have to be able to focus for work and whatever you need to be doing. Um, when you have that peaceful, settled feeling in you, you don't have so much of a busy mind. It's calmed down. And that's kind of the best way to gauge where am I caught up? Am I not? Because when you're not caught up, caught up, you, you do better. That's so true. And it's a lot, you know, uh, I'd rather have the problem, if it is a problem, I'd rather have the problem knowing that it's under my control rather than I've got to go and change other people. I've got to go and make sure that my boss changes his attitude or my co-workers. That's, that's a lot of bother that right there, that takes a lot of energy to be able to manipulate and, you know, change all of that. But if, if all I have to deal with is, is my own internal, you know, navigation then that's a lot easier than going outside that's so true i think we can all recognize like coming home one day and our partner is there and there's something in the house we're not so pleased with and we we blame it all on this partner and get all upset and you know yeah. <laughs> other day we come in it's like it's maybe even more crowded whatever and then we're all fine and we're all loving and I mean, it's the same house, it's the same partner, same kids. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's really basically the same. The same dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One day the dog can be just annoying, like so happy, happy, annoying. Oh, I know about and that. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's the same. It's the same. And so the, the only difference is, is our experience of it. Yeah, I I live in a really beautiful area just north of Boston. I'm actually on the coast and um, I walk down to the beach every day. And it's, you know, there are days I go down there and I think, oh, I'm so lucky to live here. You know, the blue sky, the rocks and the beach. And and then I'll have days, I swear to you, I will feel so awful and so depressed. Like I can have really down days Mm -hmm. and it's the same environment. The beach is still there. The, the ocean is there, the cliffs, the, the blue sky, mm. you know, and I see that what is that? What is different? It's always the arrow is always pointing to me. Yeah. It's like people changing relationships a lot. Yeah. And there's always something wrong with the partner. And it's like, who's the one <laughs> person? Yeah, yeah, the common denominator. The common denominator in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> We're always surprised by it, aren't we? <laughs> Me, Don't want to look there. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. But it's a mind. lot less work when you understand mm-hmm. that it's just, you know, you're experiencing life from the inside out and your feelings are just giving you a clue of how busy your mind is. And when it calms down, you do better. You can think more creatively. Your confidence, your natural confidence just comes shining through. And always we we point to kids because they're the best example of how we were actually designed to be they move in and out of moods and and they don't put a lot of 
of thought into it. Like they don't make it mean something. You don't see a two-year-old saying, hey, mom, I want to talk about the tantrum I had yesterday. I really need need to dig into this. (laughs) You know, they they just don't. It's like, it's over. It means nothing about me. But we we grown-ups, we're really good at pulling the kids back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So stupid. Yeah. Honey, what did that you know like that's where the training starts it's yes. like it starts there innocently we think we're helping because that's what we do but meanwhile we're teaching the kids like okay now you got to dig in you got to find out what that means because that means something that was actually yeah. one of the questions from our listeners that when does this start this uh like conditioning you say this misunderstanding of resilience really early yeah really really early um because think about it um you know if when you've got your babies it's like if something's if they're crying or whatever what do we do we're like okay uh let me shake the rattle let me we're looking outside to soothe something within them and they just may be having a mood or whatever and we're looking already outside to, to soothe them. Like, oh, fix something it, out yeah. here has to fix that. Because mm-hmm. instead of just saying, okay, well, let me just check the diaper. They're not in pain in any way. Oh, okay. They're just having whatever. Just comfort and, them. Uh, just quiet. Yeah. Quietly. It's just like, they just, you know, whatever. They're just having an experience. Mm-hmm. Just be with them. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's just okay. Yeah, my my daughter when she was really little, she when she got angry, she's like a fiery little redhead. And when she <laughs> got angry, she literally would point to us and then crisscross us. Like she point and then cross oh, us. Is that out. the Italian temperament, Lena? Really? I, I don't know. It's something. Let me tell you, a little bit of Irish, a little bit of Italian. I don't know. But and we as adults had a really harder time keeping a straight face because it was this little munchkin trying to cross us out and (laughs) seriously and meanwhile she was deadly serious because that's what she was feeling in the moment but we did not create a story around it we didn't we just we knew it would pass naturally and yet as as they get older and as we get older we start creating the stories about what it means instead of going It'll pass. Yeah. The common sense always. We always gravitate back to common sense. Common sense, yeah. Yeah. And it's also common sense to know that we'll never, ever be completely devoid of thinking from the outside in. You know, we'll always have it because we're living in a world that's so tactile and real and it seems real and it's just, you know, our senses are alive and, and so we'll constantly go in and out of understanding and then not understanding this and we get caught up. But what's, what I've experienced is that that misunderstanding ha- has become so much more reduced than it used to be. Because I used to get really caught up in stuff and it would last mm-hmm. forever, you know, it seemed to last forever. But now it just, I get caught up and then I remember. And then I get caught up and I remember. And it's just... 
much smoother ride, you know. Yeah. That handbrake is definitely coming off <laughs> for me. Yeah, and I feel, I mean, we can play with it more because we are born with this amazing, yeah. you know, as like, I love perfumes, I love beautiful stuff, I love yeah. myself with this and that, and I enjoy it. Even Nothing though I'm creating yeah. my experience, I just really, it maybe even more enjoy it now because I'm not, yeah. I'm, it doesn't owe, own me anymore. It's that's just playing with that. it and having fun with it. And that's, that's yeah. very human, I think. Yeah, it is. It, it allows you to play the game without exactly. everything at stake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Much more fun. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. Wow. Well, thank you. Is there something <laughs> more we would add to really give some super value or well, you know, let's just say, um, try, don't just listen to us. You know, we want to say to your, to your viewers, you know, experiment, try out some experiments in your life and see if, take this on what we're saying. So the next time you have something upset you, like your boss or coworkers or whatever it is, your husband, your mate say, okay, something outside of me is having, seems to be creating this feeling within me. And then just kind of say, but what was it that they were saying on that podcast? If just re remind yourself that, oh no, this is actually, I'm creating this from the inside out. And isn't that interesting? Just kind of have a curiosity about it, right? Mm. So just try that out and see, try the experiment and just see how long it takes you to kind of get back into your, your balance. You know, just see, just see how it works for yourself in your life. And, uh, you know, we don't want you just to take our word. We want you to look around your life and, yeah, and yeah. play with this stuff, you know, yeah. try it out, see what happens. And we'd love to hear some feedback, you know. Yeah. And I really encourage everyone to read the book. It's, it's really lovely. And thank you. The really feeling of getting to know you guys personally. Oh, thank you. Because you re reveal so much of your personal lives as well. And yeah, maybe a bit too much. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's really inspiring. Actually. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Thank it's you. Courageous. Well, we <laughs> welcome the opportunity to uh, to talk to you. Thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time, and uh, it's so lovely to meet you. You too. Yeah. And Beautiful. looking forward to next time already. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. Thank you for today. Thank Bye. you. If you're curious to know more about the book, I put out links to all our websites in the description of the podcast. So you can click yourself in wherever you feel like. And please don't hesitate to contact neither of us. And if you feel like rating the podcast, I would be really happy if you did that too. Thank you for now.